Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Rootspace Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, playing against college teams and the advanced five-minute rule, and ask me questions if I was confusing. Many of you are familiar with the five-minute rule that I have. I'm extending it a little tiny bit for me. I'm not expecting you to necessarily do it, but should you choose to, I think it would probably be beneficial for you as a, um, how you want to put it, source for your Cubs fan friends. We'll get to that after this, though. Uh, I want to talk about um, playing college teams, which seems kind of bizarre at first blush. I have an article on this on Bleed Cubby Blue. Go there and check it out. There's also an article on the second half of the podcast that I didn't write, but it's still worth looking into, whether on Bleed Cubby Blue or if you have another favorite site, then go the heck there. Um, Through the summer, most minor league players have plenty of opportunities to get better. Many of them have opportunities to play in games, etc., 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 especially the players that, you know, start in high A or start in double A, wherever it is. Wherever it is, if a player is starting, they're probably going to get enough at-bats or innings pitched to improve. Now, whether they do or not is a completely different question. But the opportunity is there for the players who get regular opportunities. However, once September whatever shows up, you know, September 5th, September 3rd, well, you know, whenever whenever the season ends, whenever the season ends for the team, the opportunities to improve tend to slag, uh, slack, um, dissipate, however you want to put it. And effectively, the players are on their own from September to, what, March to get better on their own. And some do better at that than others. One of the things that just happened last week, and I'm fascinated by it, is that the Texas Rangers played Texas A&M in a scrimmage game. Some of their minor leaguers, some of the Texas Rangers minor leaguers played against the Texas A&M Aggies in a scrimmage game about a week ago. Really close to about a week ago, something like that. Um, Texas A&M is a good squad. The Rangers organization tends to do things a little bit... They go very heavily toward topside. They don't worry about, um, what, floor that much. They're much more interested in if things go well for this player, we will get a huge payout. Um, But I love the idea. I love the idea of playing... 
professionals against college teams. First off, college teams that have baseball programs play fall ball. They do. It's like if you have a yard, you're going to do so, you're going to have the you're going to get the lawn mowed. It's part of what happens. Um, college teams have their regular season starting in um, mid to late February, and in the fall they have fall ball, and it is a completely well. It, I, I won't even. It's run to get fall innings for pitchers and fall at-bats for hitters. That's what it's for. Yes, there's also base running. Yes, there's also defensive practice. Yes, there's this. Yes, there's that. Teams have a specific window as far as how long they are allowed to play. And they build their pitchers up. They build their hitters up. Pitchers are generally limited to an inning or two per, and it, it it's not even all that important if you win, you know, you'd, you'd like to win 9-2, to two. you'd like to win 17-1, to one. but if you're playing against a team and you're winning 17-1, to one, you're probably not playing against stern enough competition, you'd probably rather have a go, you know, 9-6, to 3-1, whatever. Um, and have your players being challenged in fall ball games against another school. So all the college teams have their own little windows as far as when they can play, and that's going to be determined largely by geography, because I think, I don't know what exactly it is, but it's about two weeks that they can play. So if you're having two weeks of pl- two weeks to play, if you're down in Alabama or Arkansas, you're probably going to be playing later in the season than if you're in Champaign or Bloomington because you want to be able to get in 10 games of proper action, or 10, 10 days of proper action, or two weeks of proper action, however it ends up being. But teams are allowed to play a certain number of games. And usually you'll find a team somewhere near you You'll either play at their house, they'll play at your house, you'll play at somebody else, you'll play somewhere in the middle, however it ends up being. But teams will generally like to play two or three scrimmage games to test out their pitchers. And as far as how it goes, some of you who are working at a uh, college facility, you're probably yelling at your phones, no, you idiot, here's how it works, here's the days, here's how it works, here's how we determine, blah, blah, blah. Um... And I'd love to, you know, find out more about it, but I'm not going to specifically, you know, go through and find out when Louisville is playing and when uh, Arizona is playing and when the Razorbacks are playing and all that kind of stuff. But everybody has all, everybody has fall ball and everybody likes to fit in a game or two. And my thought was, if the Texas Rangers are playing against Texas A&M, as they did last week, the final score was 15 to 11. That seems to me like something that the Cubs ought to get in on. Cubs have plenty of prospects who are still going to be hanging around Arizona. 
some of them hitters, some of them pitchers. And some of the pitchers, yeah, I'd actually kind of like to get an inning or two in over the next couple weeks in a live game. Not seven innings, not five innings, but an inning or two just to, you know, I've been working on this thing and I'm going to pitch. and Kind of like it works out in the Arizona Fall League. Kind of like that. You'd like to see players. Wow, my voice is getting thrown today. I have no idea what that's about. Um, I'm, it's like I'm going through puberty or something. Huh, wow. Um, so yeah, I would like to see the Cubs somehow look into, I, I have a longer form version in written, uh, written form on Bleed Cubby Blue, a couple of decent comments. I'm good with it. Um, who knows? Maybe I will revisit the idea later, but I think it's kind of cool. Um, merge time, merge time, merge time. Um, I hope I'm providing value for you. Uh, it's been a while since I've done a podcast on this topic and uh, on the Cubs. Um, the last podcast has gotten listened to quite a bit, which is kind of cool. Um, if you dig the content that I provide on Twitter, that I provide on Patreon, that I provide on um, the podcast, feel free to either on Anchor or on Patreon. Drop a couple, drop a couple uh, dollar bills in the jar if you wish. If the economy is such that you can't, I appreciate you reading or listening or whatever. Um, this is basically what I do, and getting paid is one of the things that people like to do when they are uh, doing something well. And if I'm doing something well, feel free to consider it. If you do, great. If you don't. Okay, fine, no problem. Um, consider that the merge for the day. The Cubs did something that I quite enjoy. And I'm going to put a new angle, a new spin on the five-minute rule. The five-minute rule is whenever there's a trade, whenever there's a trade, whenever there's a trade, whenever there's a trade, my recommendation is do all the homework Right away, right away, right away, right away. It doesn't have to be a five minute. It, you don't have to come out with your information in five minutes. Do the homework, do the research, look into the players, look into what you expect them to do, however long it takes you. Do the homework and right away, right away, right away, right away, announce whether you like the transaction or not. Announce whether you like the move or not, and, 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 more importantly, why. For instance, uh, let's go with the, I, I'll go with, the, with my default. My default was the Nick Castellanos trade. I did the research. I, I, I knew enough about Nick Castellanos, good offensive player, very good offensive player, kind of a bit shaky in right field. Um, the Cubs gave up two pitching prospects to get um, Castellanos. I looked at everything as best as I could, and I said the Cubs had given up too much, and the Cubs, as comprised then, were not going to survive the first round with or without Nick Castellanos. So I didn't think the trade was good. Not I didn't think Nick Castellanos was a good fit. 
a good addition, blah, 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 whatever. It was, I didn't think Nick Castellanos was going to make the Cubs a much better team. I didn't think Nick Castellanos was going to make the Cubs a World Series squad. He didn't. He showed up. Things broke apart. The team wasn't very good down the stretch, da-da-da, etc. Game over. Didn't help. Didn't help. Nick Castellanos was fine. Nick Castellanos was not the reason the Cubs did not make the playoffs. But Nick Castellanos was around, and the Cubs didn't make the playoffs. I assessed the situation, and I said I didn't like the trade because they gave up two players I'm kind of, I was kind of interested in. Alex Lang, who's pitched in the major leagues, and... Um, Paul Richin, who I don't know if he's made the major leagues. I don't know if he will make the major leagues, but I was kind of interested in him because he was drafted just a little bit after Brendan Davis. Um, ready-made college arm, was progressing through the Cubs system rather well. I thought the Cubs gave up too much. Now, if they had given up <coughs> a pitcher in the Arizona League that had been dinged for Stanislaw use, then I would have been totally good with the trade because they wouldn't have given up very much. In my view, the Cubs gave up too much considering that they're getting a guy who wasn't going to make them a World Series team, at least in my view, and for one of the three times in the history of the world, I was right. I assessed the information as I saw it and assessed whether it was going to make the Cubs a much better team. And I decided, yeah, really, no. It's not going to help. It's not going to work. And in that instance, I was right. Now, some people might argue, well, I thought that this, I thought that that, I thought that the other thing. Well, the, the reality is the Cubs did not win with Nick Castellanos with that team. And in my view, the Cubs gave up too much. Okay, beyond that, over and beyond that, uh... All the trades the Cubs made in July, I loved them because they gave up players who basically were leaving anyway. They were leaving anyway with the exception of um, Craig Kimbrell. And all the players that the Cubs got back are rather impressive. You know, the, the, every player that they got in all of the trades was ranked in the... Um, Fangraph system, I think Bailey Horn was the lowest at 35 plus, and I think, I think, I think, and he came over for uh, Ryan Tapera, which again, it, it made perfect sense. Trade away a piece that's short term, that isn't going to stick around anymore, and then at the end of the season, the other team, their season plays out how it does. How their season plays out doesn't matter a bit. What's important is the Cubs have upgraded their future. All of those trades made sense. I love talking about the Jack, Jack Peterson trade. And, and as uh, Jacktober is over, um, now is a as fine of a time as ever to talk about it. Um, Jack Peterson, Cubs received Daniel Palencia and Greg Dykeman both of whom, either of whom, might be good long-term pieces. But more importantly, Peterson, 
who was going to be a free agent at the end of the season anyway, effectively. With Peterson going away, that created extra time for Rafael Ortega to play. Whether Rafael Ortega was going to be productive or not, we weren't going to know that unless he got to play. And by trading Jack Peterson, the Cubs got to find out that, hey, Rafael Ortega might as well keep him around because he did fairly well. Secondly, by trading Jack Peterson, the Cubs had an open 40-man roster spot. With the open 40-man roster spot, they claimed Frank Schwindel. That worked out kind of okay. Uh, thirdly, now there, there's a thirdly. There's a thirdly. Um, blast. I'm not even remembering what it is. Um, oh, yeah, that, that's right. With uh, Ortega, um, the Cubs also had a chance. The Cubs also ended up getting to play uh, Greg Dykeman a bit, which didn't work out so well this year. But they also got to play. Uh, Trace Thompson a bit down the stretch. He did rather well. They got to play. Um, they got to have the opportunity to play Michael Hermosillo a bit. And they got to look at some things. They got to look at some things. And a whole bunch of things that they got to look at were created by the Dykeman trade, or by, by the um, Jack Peterson trade and uh peterson brought back bryce ball did i say that no it, it, the the chafin trade andrew chafin trade brought in um the players from the a's dykeman and palencia the jack peterson trade brought in bryce ball i've heard somebody say oh they should have gotten somebody different from the braves they should have gotten a pitcher instead they should have gotten this they should have gotten that and maybe so but the player that they added, Bryce Ball, was usable, functional, all that kind of stuff. Um, the Cubs today named Greg Brown. Uh, they didn't name. They didn't announce him. <laughs> Excuse me. Greg Brown is going to likely be the Cubs hitting coach in 2022. For a lot of people, the hitting coach or the pitching coach is a proxy on how does the team do. For instance, when people are asked who was a good pitching coach in the Cubs history, the default is Chris Basio because when Chris Basio was there, the Cubs won the World Series. Now, that's a fact. It's a fact that people say that, and it's a fact that Basio was the pitching coach when the Cubs won the World Series. Shortly thereafter, the uh, relationship was strained and Basio had to go because he was doing some things that were completely unacceptable in a work environment. And some people disregarded the um, inappropriate in a work environment thing and kept glomming onto the, but the Cubs won when Chris Basio was here, but the Cubs won when Chris Basio was here, but the Cubs won when the Chris Basio, when Chris Basio was here. But it doesn't work like that as far as because the Cubs won when Chris Basio was here, that makes Chris Basio 
the Michael Jordan of pitching coaches. That's not how pitching coaches work. Pitching coaches are successful when they continue to be successful and continue to be worth employing. And both of those started to waver shortly thereafter. The Cubs have gone through a litany of hitting coaches recently. Try this guy. Hey, maybe this guy. Well, we'll call up this guy from our pipeline. We'll call up, we'll, we'll, we'll bring in this guy. He did fairly well someplace else. The, you know the list. There's just been a lengthy list of, player, of um, hitting coaches who just didn't get a whole lot done. So with hitting coaches, you can either bring in somebody who has the experience of doing this and that and the other thing with another major league team, or you can do what the Cubs did today and hire Greg Brown away from the Rays. Brown was the Rays minor league hitting coordinator. Brown was the Rays hitting coordinator in the minor leagues. The Rays have been fantastic in player development. In his days before he was a coach, he was an area scout and two guys that you may have heard of. Maybe, just maybe. I I don't know if you've heard of these two guys, but perhaps you've heard of these two guys that he was uh, responsible for getting signed when he was with the Astros, J.D. Martinez and Kike Hernandez. Perhaps you've heard of them. Greg Brown knows baseball. He knows how to convince younger level hitters how to do things necessary to make themselves better players. Now, does that mean that he will necessarily be able to teach David Bodie how to hit 98 and up in the zone? No, it doesn't mean that. Hitting coaches, you don't know. You do not know if Greg Brown is going to be able to to get <clears throat> wow uh to get Greg Dykeman to hit better at the major league level or to make Alexander Canario even more of a beast or tack on to what Nelson Velazquez has done in the Arizona Fall League. No, you do not know that. That is unknown. What is known is Tampa's offense has been fantastic in their pipeline. Absolutely fantastic. So what the Cubs are doing is bringing in Greg Brown. It's not, I'm hoping, a situation of your job, Greg Brown, should you choose to accept it, which sounds like he's going to, is to tell major league hitters and major league hitters only and only talk to major league hitters about how to hit. That would be one way of doing it. That would be stupid as hell. What Greg Brown ought to do is come over with a list. Here's some things Tampa did. These are some things I did when I was with Tampa. See how that works? When you hire smart people from good organizations, Greg Brown will come over with knowledge of the Astros with knowledge of the Rays. Here is what the teams that are better than the Chicago Cubs have been doing recently. Here are some things I kind of like this idea. Hey, maybe this idea will work. Let's look into that. Hey, that's kind of a cool thought. Maybe we ought to incorporate that. 
you know, like maybe we ought to incorporate playing college teams during the fall. Thinking outside of the box and coming up with cool ideas, wonderful ideas, ideas that will help the major league organization perform better on the field. That is the other point of hiring a coach. It's not so much, will Greg Brown be the one dude who is going to get Wilson Contreras to hit 295 in a season? No, they, well, it'd be nice if he did that. But it's not a magical press a button thing with hitting coaches. You know, it's like, who, who was your favorite teacher in high school? Who was your favorite teacher in elementary school? I have two teachers in mind. Why were they your favorites? Was it because they were the smartest? Was it because they were the funniest? Was it because, no, they got things done. They told you things. They got you to think. They got you to, and that is exactly what the Cubs ought to be looking for in their coaches. Get players to upgrade themselves to be better. Greg Brown, I don't know if he's going to teach David Bodie how to hit 98 and up in the zone. That might not be doable. If your expectation of hitting coach is, I'm going to turn a 197 hitter into a 340 hitter. That's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. But if you bring in enough smart people from other organizations, now one of the terms that I've started to use here and there, in the later Theo Epstein days, um oh, I don't know, about 2015, maybe even 2014, but pretty much 2015, especially 2016, 2017, 2018, and into 2019, it seemed like every hire was coming from the Red Sox. Yes, the Red Sox. We're going to hire a person from the Red Sox because the Red Sox are a forward-thinking team. We're going to hire someone from the Red Sox. Hey, guess what, everybody? We're going to hire someone from the Red Sox. Well, the Cubs became Red Sox 2.0, and meanwhile, they weren't doing anything about looking into, hey, what are the Rays doing? What are the Red Sox doing? What are the Twins doing? What are the Braves doing? What are... When you're locating talent to fill available spots, sometimes it's really good to disregard, is this guy going to be a great hitting coach? Because that's potluck, really. That's really potluck. Bring in smart people from smart organizations and try to get more toothpaste out of the tube. I don't know if the Cubs can get 100% or even 78% or 92% of the toothpaste out of the tube before they say, nah, really, this one's about done. But it really does seem like the Tampa Rays, to a large extent, have been getting out of an 8-ounce uh, tube of toothpaste, they've been getting like 40 or 50 ounces of toothpaste out of one, you know, small. They have been fantastic. There is something the Rays have done that is like breaking the game. Bringing over Greg Brown, tell us what it is. It's a whole lot of like, uh, why I want the Cubs to bring in Jace Tingler. Not because Jace Tingler was a good or bad manager, but with Jace Tingler, if the Cubs would uh, s s hire him, 
they could not only use whatever it is he's good at, and I'm guessing it's something to do with hitting, uh, zone command, whatever, but then they could also get information on which Padres they don't want to acquire in the offseason. When a team hires someone that is really smart and really good at his job, that is probably a good thing. Whether Greg Brown is going to be your favorite hitting coach or not, I can't tell you that. I have no idea. But my five-minute rule says he is a smart dude from two smart organizations. He's going to come over bringing knowledge that probably the Cubs either didn't have or a different spin on information that they did have. Adding smart people that have been successful is generally a good goal. Regardless if you're talking NASA, regardless if you're talking, um, oh, I don't know, some, uh, some local business or the Chicago Cubs. Greg Brown, I don't know if he's going to be a good hitting coach or not. I th- That would be like me trying to specifically guess what a specific player is going to do if the Cubs would hire um, um, sign him. But Greg Brown should bring more something, something to the organization. And whether it ends up cashing out as far as Nick Madrigal being a better hitter or not, I don't know that. But Greg Brown should bring in new ideas. New ideas should be the goal. And I'll just say it, and this will infuriate some people and uh, butter the bread of other people. This looks like a good hire by Jed Hoyer. I'm, I'm still waffling on Jed Hoyer as a baseball ops guy. Greg Brown was a good selection. Will it end up working at the major league level? I don't know. That's completely a coin flip. No. Coin goes up near. Heads or tails? I'm guessing heads. Heads, tails. Oh, yeah, I was wrong. Um, I don't know if he's going to be good at getting Jason Hayward to be a better hitter. Don't know. Don't know. Really not even a worry. He's come over and started talking with Jed Hoyer. Um, all the other guys. All the other guys. Uh, Carter Hawkins. All the other guys. Who, whoever it is. Um, and if there's going to be a strike, whether Greg Brown's a good hitting coach or not, really doesn't matter a whole lot. He's still going to be doing work. He's still going to have a job. He's still going to be doing things. And if there aren't major league games, it just won't be major league games he's going to be focusing on. He's going to be focusing on, okay, this new thing that we're starting this year because the Rays were having great success with the minor leagues. That's why I want to know about. Well, actually, I don't even have to know about it. I just want to see it working. The goal of a coach is A, to do his job. And B, do other things he's good at. With Greg Brown, I'm more interested in the do other things that he's good at thing. I don't know if Brown is going to be a good head coach. I don't know if the Cubs are going to play a game, a college game, um, 
a fall ball game against Louisville or Tennessee or whoever it would end up being. But uh, I love ideas. I love ideas. Can this make the organization better? Not will this make the Cubs a 97-win team definitely every single year. That's beyond their control. But if, you, if the Cubs can do something to, this might make the pitching better. This might make the hitting better. Do that. Carter Hawkins was a fantastic asset for the Indians. Greg Brown has been a fantastic asset for the Rays. I have one final question. One final question. With Jason McLeod leaving, which team should the Cubs steal someone else from? Maybe the Twins, maybe the Dodgers, maybe the Braves. Again, I don't specifically care who. Let's bring in the best ideas and have the executives argue them out in rooms. No, I don't want to do that. Then after three hours of arguing, after, no, I don't. Okay, how about this? Let's try this and see if that gets the organization better. That's what fascinates me. How are these people doing? How is it improving? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Cubs have a lot of ground to catch up. Cubs have a lot of ground to make up with mainly Tampa, the Dodgers, and Houston. Mainly those three. Mainly those three. So in the offseason, they've stolen someone from Houston. Um, they've stolen someone from Tampa Bay. Now maybe go get somebody from the Dodgers. Sounds good to me. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon, as circumstances warrant. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great rest of your day, and be nice to people.